Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here at 94.3 wsc every saturday morning thank you uh, our loyal listener for getting up early on a saturday and tuning in the dial to listen to great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership here in the low country i am one of your hosts eric cox and I am here with a guest host today. Wait, you're not a guest host. <laughs> You've just been gone so long, I you forgot know, who you were. Summers are so hard. Welcome I'm not complaining. Back. Thank you. Thank so, you. So, Leslie Haywood, tell our yes. listeners, because they haven't heard your voice in a while, <laughs> about your summer and what's going on. Oh, well, um, we took a family vacation to Vegas, which was a whole different Vegas. That was the most recent one. And I, you know, donated uh, some money to the casinos to make sure that they're, you know, financially stable. Um, and yeah, went to Tennessee, been visiting family, been having a really great summer. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Well, we've missed you. Well, Aww. I've been doing radio shows. You've been doing uh, yeah. You've so got a job. It's been an amazing, uh, exciting summer. So uh, yes. it's been good, but well, we've missed you. Thanks for holding down the fort. It's really hard to fly solo on this thing. I so, know. Uh, sorry. I, we got so many emails and texts about when's Leslie coming back and <laughs> Can that Eric guy shut up? And so it's uh, really exciting to have you back with us this oh, week. And uh, thank you. I guess since you weren't here over the last couple of weeks, it'd be really hard to ask you about your favorite takeaways from our show last week. I know. I'm sure that they were amazing guests and they brought a lot of things to the table. Like? Like we had Mr. Tim Smith last week. He's the president and founder of Windward Shutters here in Charleston. And uh, Tim, a great guy, actually went to college with Tim. And um, it was actually kind of funny. He was talking about in his business how they uh, are excited that hurricane season is here. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Obviously, right? it drives business. He says, you know, we sure. don't want one to hit, but as long as it comes close, it <laughs> is good for business. So a uh, pretty interesting show. But I'll tell you, Tim did have some great takeaways. And uh, just like I think all of our great entrepreneurs that come on the story, just, I mean, on the show, tell the story, right, of the ebbs and the flows and the ups and the downs. And so... If you are out there thinking about entrepreneurship or you're in entrepreneurship and you just want to hear another story like that, uh, go uh, to our website at CoastalWM.com and click on the radio icon to listen to the Tim show. And you'll get a couple of takeaways like the fact that, unfortunately, his mom passed away when he was in high school and how that obviously redefined and changed the course that he was on. And then when he started his business um, and, and kind of went through that process, his major takeaway when he looked back was, you know, don't spend too much money up front on starting your business, that you um, should bootstrap it. And, and when I say bootstrap, his was to the fullest degree. Like he would give himself a, a reward of buying a chair that he could sit in <laughs> and then set the next reward and set the next reward. And so he literally day by day bootstrapped that thing into where it's grown it today. And so uh, great to hear of his success and what he's doing but again, another great journey in entrepreneurship. Wonderful. Well, so. I can't wait to hear what today's guest has to bring. And before we get there, by the way, not only can you go to the website at CoastalWN.com. Oh, got to follow listen, us on Facebook, right? Follow us on Facebook. We also will be having, and hopefully it'll be 
done by next week. Mm-hmm. All of our podcasts up on iTunes. Oh, that's so exciting. We are branching out. Exciting. And also follow us on Twitter at BTBCHS. That stands for Beyond the Business Charleston. And uh, use hashtag BTBCHS. I already see. It's going to be a rough one. Hashtag. I know. Yep. I know. That's what happens when you're away for a month. That's right. I know. I'm rusty. Well, I know who's not rusty, and that is Mr. Jay Mosley, who's with us, CEO, COO of Strategic Solutions Integrated. You got me? Jay, welcome to the studio this morning. Pleasure to be here. We're glad to have you on a Saturday morning. Thank you for taking time. We're looking forward to hearing your story uh, and your journey, but uh, certainly before we dive into anything, uh, give our listeners a little quick commercial of what is Strategic Solutions Integrated? Uh, um, SSI really has two sides of it. It has uh, a services side where we do uh, professional services, mostly at the PhD level and policy level with uh, government and the, mostly the Department of Defense. So you can look at agencies like the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, like uh, uh, the U.S. Army and, and the folks out of Aberdeen, Maryland. And what we do is provide Ph.D. level uh, uh, expertise to them in, in crazy things like how we prevent the next Ebola, how we do biosurveillance and protect, um, you know, our, our folks and our nation against uh, the next potential bio attack or, or chemical attack. So it's really high end, very important stuff. So that's half of the what the company does. And so it's my job to do kind of the care and feeding of, of those really smart folks. Uh, the other half is more on the entrepreneurial side. We do technology disruption. Uh, and we are always in search of firms that we believe can make a difference. Um, so we kind of sustain the business with that services side, and then we kind of go have a little fun on the other side. And so a couple of the things that we're doing right now, for example, is uh, a, a company called Kine that has a revolutionary space propulsion technology that requires no fuel whatsoever uh, to actually move uh, satellites in space. Uh, we were actually scheduled to be on a Falcon 9 rocket uh, for an experimental launch, and that's coming in the near future. And then um, – the other things we're doing are, are very important to me personally, and that's clean water. Uh, we have uh, a couple of technologies that um, we can that could have really helped um, post uh, event uh, like Houston or Florida or Puerto Rico or uh, BVI, where we can bring our technology there, which is very mobile and very scalable, and provide clean water at a very low cost. Uh, really revolutionary stuff uh, as it comes to uh, to clean water, and so we're spending an awful lot of time on that. And that that is now extending into uh, the oil and gas industry as well. So how do we take, for example, produced water or frac water, which is obviously a problem? How do we clean it? How do we either inject it or dispose of it uh, in a much more uh, ecologically friendly way? Uh, so that's that's uh, some of the things we're doing at SSI. Wow, I can't, I have so many questions already, but I don't want to ju- I don't want to jump ahead. Um, how we usually do on this show is we go way back to childhood and sort of um, get to know the the person behind. You know, this is uh, people you know, stories you don't. So we're going to talk about the the person behind the entrepreneurial face. Um, where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Um, uh, very lucky to have um, a great family. Growing up in a small town, very small town called Amesbury, Massachusetts, we were just a, a few miles from the coast, uh, just below the New Hampshire line, and a, just a great place to 
to grow up and own 10 square miles around your house as a kid, you know, so that that really drives independence, you know, uh, in, at least it did for me. Uh, so uh, it um, that had a bearing really on as I went to my next step, which was obviously education. And so as a youngster, were you a studious kid or more just uh, into sports and outgoing stuff? Or uh, a little it, both? Certainly a combination of it all, because uh, sure, I was a, a good student, uh, you know, but it was a graduating class of 191. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was one of those kids that loved sports. I, I played hockey year round, ice hockey, and, um, you know, was recruited to play hockey later in life. So, th- you know, that was obviously a big deal. But um, with uh, two older brothers and a younger sister, the competition was certainly uh, always there and always relevant. And that competition, I think, uh, again, it was important to me. Uh, I never wanted to get beat at anything, and so that carries forward uh, into life, I believe. Now, are you serious about having that much land around you? Were you well, um, certainly woods on every side of a house, you know? But uh, you know, uh, there was no cell phones in those right. days, right? So you, my parents, had no idea where I was or where right. I was going or what I was doing, and so it just allowed you to uh, to explore and to uh, invent and to you know, potentially set woods on fire. Right. I'm not saying I ever did that. But. <laughs> now, what did your parents do? Uh, my uh, father um, was a fantastic uh, skier uh, who actually had a scholarship uh, to the University of Wyoming uh, and couldn't afford the bus fare to get there. So never went to college and ended up being uh, what's called a right-of-way agent. And they're the, the folks that buy and sell the real estate for power lines and power companies and, and that kind of thing. And uh, a very talented um, man and, and great father who, you know, could talk you out of your last nickel uh, and, and a great communicator. Um, and my mom was a great example, too, because this would have been in the 1970s. Um, she went back to school and mothers during that time did not go to college or go back to school. And so she was a little bit of a trailblazer. And, and I remember a number of years ago, she said, I still feel guilty about going back to school and, and leaving you kids at home. And I said, what are you, crazy? It was an amazing example uh, that she took the time and did that and got her degree and became a medical technician and worked um, the rest of her life. So, But they're both still with us, uh, thank heavens, and, and 80, 81 years old and uh, – just celebrated birthdays and anniversaries, so very fortunate. So as you were growing up, either as a youngster or through high school, um, what was the vision for your future? What did you want to be? I had no idea, um, to be quite honest. Uh, I um, wanted to keep up with my two older brothers who were very successful, went off to great schools and did great things. And, and um, But what I did see was, again, coming from uh, – uh, a middle-class family that there wasn't a lot of money there to for a third kid to go to school. Uh, so I said, you know what, I'm going to take this upon myself. And, and I uh, said, I'm going to apply to the Air Force Academy. And my father and I sat down and did all the paperwork. And uh, by pure luck, because um, we had no political connections whatsoever, uh, and it takes politics a lot of times to get into those um, military academies, but I got a nomination from a congressman and went off to the Air Force Academy at no cost to my parents. So it was, um, you know, 
part hard work, part luck. And that's that's uh, you probably see that a lot in business. Right. Right. And what was it about the Air Force that drew you to uh, that particular branch? Uh, and what did you think you wanted to do? Did you I mean, everyone wants to fly planes a lot of times. The first airplane I was ever on was the one that I was 18 years old and took me to school. And then three years later, I was going to pilot training. Four years later, so it's a it's a little bit unusual story because there are lots of kids that fly and always want to fly, and that's their dream. And I had no idea what I was getting into, but I said I I don't want my parents to pay for my school, and I want a good education, and this is the way to go and do it, and what let the chips fall where they may. And uh, Ronald Reagan was actually president at the time. And uh, there was a big demand for pilots and a big military buildup. So I, I was very fortunate to get in and then also go off to pilot training uh, from, from there. In case you're wondering, by the way, whose voice that is, it's that of Mr. Jay Mosley, who is the COO of Strategic Solutions Integrated. And he's talking about the days of growing up and getting uh, out of school and going into the Air Force. I think you were uh, about 14 years or so in active duty if i'm 14 correct? active and eight reserve uh, air force reserve correct okay. so 22 total so uh any stories along the way during your tenure serving our country that uh, kind of stand out you'd like to share with us this morning sure there's a there's you know there's obviously some very serious stories but um one of the more entertaining stories is uh when i had landed in uh, keflavik iceland with uh, the airplane i was flying with it was the equivalent of a of a Boeing 727, a commercial type airplane. And um, it was a brutal night, brutal cold, brutal snow and ice. And and um, a, a gentleman from the Navy walks over to my airplane. I was the aircraft commander at the time. And he says, would you mind flying a foreign national back to the United States? And I says, um, yeah, I kind of would because I have a maintenance issue on my airplane. And, you know, we were the sake of our mission was something entirely different than flying uh, VIPs. Um, but he said, would it change your mind if it's the king and queen of Sweden? I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so next thing I you know, I look over and there's uh, the king and queen of Sweden's uh, Gulfstream that was on the ramp and it was broken. Oh, my And gosh. he had to meet uh, uh, Vice President Al Gore in the coming hours. So next thing we know, the security detail and the king, queen of Sweden, right after the Lillehammer Olympics, get on the airplane. And um, and so we take off and uh, rush uh, the, the king, queen of Sweden to Washington. We had our issues uh, along the way, having to land and refuel and having some wonderful chamber of commerce in, uh, in uh, Newfoundland of all places, bring on lobsters and steam clams and everything for the king and queen. It was, uh, you know, you're talking to the White House on one phone, you're talking to the to uh, uh, to that uh, Chamber of Commerce on the other, trying to take care of everybody. But so it's a kind of a funny story. And we land within three seconds of our scheduled arrival time, which that was not our business, but that's what we did. And um, just sat back in our seats after that uh, and just took a deep breath and said wow that was that was something that was cool, cool experience. Yeah. yes that yeah. was cool now what uh prompted you to get out of the air force and then what did you do after um loved my time serving um you know this great country without question i mean to to do that many years to have eight thousand flying hours and 12 airplanes and 80 countries and you know i mean that's it's a chance of a lifetime 
But nine uh, eleven hit. Mm-hmm. You know, I had I had already left um, the Air Force. You know, it was a money decision to be quite honest, and flew for Northwest Airlines for a couple of years. But then nine eleven came, and that's a game changer for a lot of people. And it was a game changer for me. Um, got laid off from Northwest Airlines, and I said, "What you know? What do you really want to do? Do you really want to be in this business?" And I, I I found that it wasn't challenging enough for me personally. It's great for I have great friends in the industry; they love it. Um, it's great flying airplanes, but it wasn't for me. So I said, it's, it's, uh, I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to be a business owner. I need to use my MBA. I need to have a new challenge. So I, you know, reinvented myself again, uh, to basically start, um, of all things, an engineering firm with a friend of mine, uh, out of a hockey locker room. Um, so most people say garage, I say a hockey locker room, but it really was two of us. Uh, and we said, let's do this. And we so, hear bar a lot of times too. Yeah, bar. Yes, a, a well, bar. you write the plan in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> we we wrote the plan in the bar a, a few times because you have to rewrite it a lot in small business, right? Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. So uh, we had the idea in the locker room, and after a few trips to the bar, then we, um, you know, like we bootstrapped, as uh, you mentioned about Tim. We we um, both worked directly uh to create revenue so that we obviously you know most businesses at that point fail because of lack of capital um not for lack of good ideas and so we worked uh as much as we were bringing on people and so we were basically our engineering firm worked on aircraft f-16s and a-10s and c-130s military aircraft and we grew it slow but sure that was a very successful start from two people so talk about, Jay, the the transition going from, you had several transitions, obviously, the military into corporate entities, mm-hmm. now into this world of entrepreneurship. And, and what were the big differences for you um, as, as an individual that you experienced through each one of those? You learn more in, in, in I won't say in all cases, but in some cases, you, you learn much more from failure than you do success. If you have success too early, sometimes um, it can haunt you as you try to continue to grow your business. But if you do it methodically, you learn. I always used to say, learn the lessons without the zeros. Learn the lessons without the zeros on the end of of the checkbook. And if you can do that, then the money keeps coming and and you can grow methodically. Then I think that's a better approach. Uh, Secondly, I think leadership matters. Leadership in business as much as um, our country, as much as a military, but in business matters. Uh, I won't touch a business right now that doesn't have quality leadership because they eventually will fail or do something wrong or do something that is not appropriate. So I think leadership matters and obviously capital matters a great deal. Um, so those are the the things that you know I've learned over my time and has allowed me some limited success. Well, what was what was an early failure that you learned from during the your initial entrepreneur dive into the pool of entrepreneurship? That any given day, I won't call it regulation or policy or you know, government uh, intervention can change things, I mean, that fast. An OSHA incident, for example, I had a I was lucky enough to secure a million dollar contract. So we're doing the logistical work. Next thing you know, one of my younger employees decides to have an accident with a forklift and there's OSHA all over you for two weeks. And so you now as a COO and as a company are are somewhat non-productive for a period of time that you can't 
necessarily plan for or afford. You know, that was it's not necessarily a failure, but it's an incident that teaches you to be prepared for what you can't possibly predict. And so have the resources, have the game plan, uh, you know, ready for those type of incidents. And we talk a lot about um, on this show along the way, along your journey, there's people who influence you, people who guide you and give you advice. And so in your world, as you look along that journey going from the the, the public to the private sector, uh, are there any individuals you can point to that were really instrumental in guiding you? Uh, there are a lot of great, um, you know, examples um, that I've looked to, um, you know, from a more strategic level. If you look at somebody like Bill Gates that had such a successful technical and and business career but look at what he's doing now with his foundation the philanthropic uh things that he's taking on are an inspiration to me and and that's what i want to do is create so much success that you can have the ability to do something good you know and 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 which which is what i've I've started we'll i'm sure talk about later but uh somebody like bill gates certainly uh if you go back to um President Bush, uh, number one, who actually handed me my diploma, uh, was an inspiration because he was a Navy fighter pilot. He was um, head of the CIA. He was ambassador to China. He was always of the highest integrity. And so he was always a good example uh, for me as well. Uh, So those are kind of more at the strategic level. At the tactical level, you just meet good business people. um, And and one, for example, is... um, uh, Mr. Shandu Shao, who was president of a company that's still doing very well called S4 out of Burlington, Massachusetts, he mentored uh, GMRE out of the gate uh, to really no financial benefit. It was more, it was just doing the right thing. And he mentored us and gave me great advice and helped us with our first contracting vehicle, uh, put us on with him. Uh, and basically was the first stepping stone to go from two people to 10 people, you know, and then to go from there. So those kind of people that inject themselves into your life are, are really special. And uh, the current um, president of SSI and my very good friend who I've known for a long time, fluent with in, in combat and all over the world, uh, George Cunningham, is another great example of somebody just with an amazing work ethic and amazing integrity that is just uh, enjoyable to work with. Now, as we know, business doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's a personal life that comes along with it. Talk about your personal life and where was where was your wife uh, in any of these decisions? Was she behind you? Where did she come into the picture? Well, sh- Carmen will tell you that um, my decisions. <laughs> I love the versions. <laughs> <laughs> she'll tell you that uh, the they are much better when I involve her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, yes. And I, you know, if I yes. actually look back over uh, the course, uh, we've been married 10 years. And if I look back, obviously, some of the stuff uh, are, are pre-Carmen uh, and, and, and family uh, that we have now with three kids. Um, some of that was before, but with Carmen, it, it, it definitely family matters, you know, that, mm-hmm. that um, you know, that stability allows you to have room in your head. It allows you to have room in your brain to to function and to concentrate on work and make good decisions and be innovative and be productive. So uh, I I can't uh, overemphasize um, how important that is to me and that, um, you know, I'm not going to have her be CEO of SSI, but I tell you what, she's COO of, you know, Team Mosley. 
You know, so that's the way we approach it. And I think we've heard that quite a bit, actually, on this show about the support mechanisms of family life and home life. And without that being at the level it is, there's no way a leader, an entrepreneur can do what they do every day in the business. And so uh, glad to hear that that's a principle that's applied in, in your all's world. And unfortunately, we're about to run out of time here, Jay. But um, Already? I know. It goes by so it fast. Does. And we really haven't gotten to SSI, which will be next week. We can talk a lot about it. But any final thoughts on just sort of. Um, you've had a couple of different business ventures that you're a part of. You spend lots of plates, obviously, now with the different segments within your business. Just the balance of all that. Balance is, is really important. As much as um, diversity matters, because you don't want to do just one thing. Um, with the changing landscape now, with the acceleration of innovation, with the acceleration of globalization, you just don't want to do one thing. So what I really like about SSI is our ability to balance um both, you know, we you keep the the bills get paid. You know that revenue keeps coming in because we have these great, you know, longer term contracts with the government. But it allows you to go for that sixty yard bomb. You know, it allows you to to be innovative and and say, let's take a shot at this. You know, and we're very smart about not outlaying too much capital. You know, um, try and find somebody else's money. Uh, you know, one of the principal rules of of entrepreneurship. And um, so th- there's the balance there, I think, that SSI has uh, captured. Great, great. Well, sorry we have to cut you short today, but we'll look forward to having you back next Saturday. Thanks again for another great edition of Beyond the Business, heard exclusively here on 94.3 WSC. And join us on our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, or talk to us on Twitter at BTBCHS. And until next week, Charleston, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7.30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.